This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us as we are diving into the second week of the series called Revolution. Last week we started this series, and, we're in, and this series is really all about, man, making a difference. And, and where does that start? It starts with some people that are saying to themselves, you know what, we're going to live differently. We're going to do some things differently. And the revolution that we're starting is, is, is this revolution that's based on this idea that it's all about love because right in the middle of the word revolution is the word love. And we're about starting this revolution that's all about loving God, loving people and showing it. And last week we started off and this series is really all about our values as a church and and how we're gonna do that. And what are the things we stand behind? What are the things that we stand for as a church? And last week we talked about this this thought and this principle that we, we live by as a church and that we want for every single person in our church. And it's this idea that healthy people grow. And if that you're a healthy person, then you're growing in your life. If, if you're healthy in your, in your relationship with your family, then, then the relationship there, the intimacy there is growing. If, you're, if you have healthy relationships with your kids, the bond that you have with them is continuing to grow. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. If we are growing in our relationship with God, man, we're hearing the voice of God more clearly. We're running after God consistently. And we have some, some disciplines that are in our lives and some things happen happening in our lives that are helping to take us there. This week, we're talking about uh, one of my, my favorite things, and it's, it's the idea of evangelism. And uh, I know when I say evangelism, all, all of a sudden, everybody always gets like a, a, a bad kind of connotation about evangelism. But I, I figured out that a lot of things in life have just you know, the meanings of things have, have just changed over time. And what you intend for something to mean isn't always what it means. And, and recently I had this happen to me uh, right out here, right out front on a Sunday morning. I was sitting there with one of our First Impressions team out front, high-fiving people, talking to people as they came in. And I was just talking with this lady and I was, hey, you know, how have you enjoyed your experience here at Coastal? And she's been volunteering for a little while. And I said, hey, why did you come to church? And she goes, oh, let me tell you why I came to Coastal. The reason I came to Coastal was because I was so attracted to you. And, and I go, really? And I took a step back and she's like, no, not like that. I mean, I, I like the way you talked. And I was like, oh, I don't know. You just said you were attracted to me. And then her, her husband walks in and I'm like, do you know what your wife's saying to me? Like, she's saying she wants to hook up. I mean, that isn't what she meant. But that's how it came across. And the same thing is, is true with evangelism. What is meant by evangelism isn't necessarily what comes across. When we think about evangelism, we think about, you know, the guy on the person. Maybe you've experienced this. Like I have, you're on your way to a ball game and, uh, you know, Westboro Baptist Church is out there picketing with signs that say, turn or burn, you're going to hell. You know, street preachers just yelling at you saying, like, you're bad and you're no good. You're going straight to hell. Like that's not evangelism. That's cray cray, okay? Those people are insane. That's not helping anybody. That's not a, a great picture of evangelism. I love what one of my mentors, Perry Noble, he describes evangelism like this. He says, it's one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. 
is one beggar finding another beggar and telling them where they can find bread. Because this is what I know, if you're here for the very first time, man, we are so excited that you're with us for this message and for this series because you're getting kind of a a backside look into who we are as a church and what we believe and what are some of the things that we highly value as a congregation and as a staff and what are the things that, that we hope are evident in your life. And I know that when you hear the word evangelism, you right away you think, oh man, they're just trying to convert me. And uh, let me just tell you, I'm not trying to convert you. I don't want to convert you to anything. People that are converted are weird. Um, I want you to have an encounter with Jesus, and I want you to meet Jesus, this guy who died for you, not so you can be converted, but so you can have a relationship. And here's what I know is that, you know, if, when I start to say like, man, I want you to experience Jesus, people get really weird. But if I tell you about the fact that I ate at Dada like a month or two ago, which is a restaurant in Delray Beach, has anybody, has anybody here been to Dada's? Yeah, like basically an entire row. They're the ones who told me about it. I mean, it's like, let me just tell you something. If you've never been to Dada's, you are like, you haven't experienced food yet. I mean, it's in Delray Beach. And so it's a little bit of a drive, but man, I'm telling you what, they have this, this, this like seven cheese, grilled cheese. Straight up slap your mom. That's how good it is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I've talked about like biscuits and honey and like how good that is, but this grilled cheese is off the chain. I mean, you just, you like get it and they give you some, some, some uh, tomato bisque and you like slop that in there. And I mean, it's like heaven on earth. And so like, I'm telling people about Donna's all the time and nobody's like, why are you telling me about Donna's? You trying to make me fat? You know, nobody's like getting upset that I'm telling them about a good restaurant, are they? In fact, this, this past week, a guy was telling me uh, uh, about his workout plan and his diet that he's on, and, you know, and he was telling me about his results, and, and my first reaction wasn't like, man, do you think I'm ugly and need to go to the gym or something? You know, that, like, that, like I was appreciative that he was telling me something that worked for his life. And, and evangelism is, is simply telling someone you love about somebody else you love. That's what evangelism is. It's simply telling somebody else that you love and you care about about someone else that you love and care about. And one of the values that we have here at Coastal, and it's, it's found all throughout Scripture, and we're going to kind of take a look at that today, is this idea that uh, found people, people that have been found by Christ, find people. Found people, find people. Everywhere throughout the scriptures, you can look and see people that have been found by Christ. They've, they've made this discovery where Christ has found them that all of a sudden they're compelled and they're just engaged in going and telling other people about Jesus. And, and it's really, it's impossible to be a follower of Jesus and not tell other people about what Jesus has done for your life. Because that's one of the very things that he was all about. The great commission for a lot of people and a lot of churches today has become the great suggestion. You know, it's like, oh man, man, if you feel like it, if you have some extra time, you should do this. But that was Jesus' never intention. I mean, Jesus came to this earth not to be served, but to serve others. And it says the reason Jesus came was for the lost and for the broken and the hurting. He didn't come for the people that had it all figured out. That's why he said in Mark 2, 17, and Jesus heard it and he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician. He said, the people that have got life figured out and have got everything in place, they don't need me. At least they don't think they do. He said, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. I thought it was interesting that, of, you know, Jesus came for the jacked up people, for the messed up people, for the people that are in need of a Savior. And this is what I've discovered about people. We're all in need of a Savior. 
And so what I want to do today is I just want to look at a passage of Scripture out of John chapter 1. If you guys want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your worship guide. Or you can take a look at the screen. Or you can click that little QR code in the top right-hand corner. And it'll take you to this passage of Scripture in version. And we're going to look at four questions that I believe that we need to answer if we're all going to be about found, found people, find people. And the first question is this, is it's when. When? When did you have an encounter with Jesus? When did you make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of life? When did that take place in your life? And I'm going to ask you to underline and circle a couple words here in this, this next verse, starting in verse 43. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. I want you to circle two things in there. The first thing is there is I want you to circle, he found Philip. Philip didn't find Jesus, Jesus found Philip. And then I want you to also circle, circle, follow me. These two phrases, uh, they just jump out. I want to talk about these because who found who in this, this passage of scripture? Did Philip find Jesus? No, Jesus found Philip. You want to know why Philip didn't find Jesus? Because he wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was out there looking for him. There's some phrases in the church world that I hear a lot that just kind of blow my mind um, and just kind of baffle me, and, and I don't really understand them. But one of them is, is, is I found myself. Uh, I have people walk into my office all the time and be like, you know what, this past week I found myself. And I'm like, you are smoking crack. Because um, I've never met anybody that found themselves. I, it's not like, you know, you were going to Walmart one day and uh, you were going there to get an oil change, some Cheetos and, and a box of uh, fruit roll-ups, you know, because you can do all that stuff at Walmart. And, and you're walking around, you've got your stuff and you see the TV section, you go grab a TV because you can do that there as well. And you walk to the checkout line and you look ahead of you and, and who do you see? You see you. And you go, hey, you, how you doing? And you goes, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, is that really you? Yeah, it's really me. You know what? I found you. Nobody does that. And if you do, you got issues. See us afterwards. We'll pray for you. <laughs> Another one is that people tell me all the time, like, hey, you know what? I found God. I found God. Listen, no, you didn't. According to scriptures, you didn't find God. God found you. Check out what, uh, what Romans 3, 10 and 12 says. It says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have come, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. It's not a very encouraging verse. Like nobody's reading this verse as like their daily scripture. Like, God, please encourage me with this. But it is very true because none of us is a God seeker. None of us in and of ourselves is a God seeker. The only reason we found God is because God reached down from heaven, saw us in the midst of our depravity and said, hey, listen, I wanna find you and I'm reaching out to grab hold of you, to lift you out of the junk of your life. I'm here to save you from the despair that you've encountered that you found and, and, and here's what I'm here to do. I'm here to rescue you. Now, the interesting thing is, is that for a lot of us, we know that we needed rescuing. Like the majority of us know that because we know that from a very young age, we are messed up. I mean, when everybody else was in kindergarten coloring, you were over there grabbing a crayon, smoking it, sniffing some Elmer's glue and getting Barbie naked. I mean, you were jacked up and a perv right from the beginning and you know it. And so when God came, you go, hey, here I am. 
I'm ready. Like, I know that. Because you knew you were in need of a Savior. And when you saw a Savior, you're like, man, I'm going after that. You know what I think is, is, is one of the biggest opportunities for, for Christ to penetrate people's hearts and to change people's lives? I think it's, it's really church people. Because a lot of people, you know, they, they grew up in church. I mean, they, they, they went to every VBS. I mean, they, they know all about God and the kingdom of God, but they don't really know God. They got the head knowledge, but they never had an encounter with Jesus to where it's not become a whole bunch of rules and regulations, but it's, it's just like, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, and hopefully at the end of that, I'm good enough to make it to heaven. You know, I ask people all the time, like, man, when did, when, it's going back to this whole question, when did you make a decision for Jesus? And, and people be like, well, I've just always been a Christian. You know, I came out of my mother's womb and I was quoting the 95 thesis and, and you know, and uh, I was memorizing scripture. My Bible was already engraved with my name on it, you know, and underlined all the passages I liked from day one. I mean, that's, and, and you can't tell me that. I've never walked up to a married couple and said, hey, when did you get married? Oh, we've always been married. Oh, really? Y'all are a bunch of sinners. You should have not known what that was at all. <laughs> like none of us knew that from day one. My question for all of us is, when did you find Christ? When did you have that encounter with Jesus that radically transformed your life? I'm not talking about when you were five years old and you went to that VBS and, and they had the demon skit and they scared the hell out of you and said, turn or burn and, and do the whole salvation thing. Listen, I can go back there to kids ministry right now and I'll bring Shayla with me and I'll be like, Shayla, you dress up as a demon and you jump out of the closet and rah, you know, and I mean, that scares some kids and they'll, ah, you know, and then I'll go grab a blowtorch and that's what hell's like. Do you want to find Jesus? That's not real salvation. Like every kid back there is going to be like, I want Jesus. You know, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to be saying the prayer with it. It doesn't matter what I say. Encountering Jesus is, is us recognizing, man, that God is there and that we're here and that there is this gap that is between us, that is our sin, it's not our mistakes, because mistakes are not on purpose, but a lot of us have made decisions that are bad decisions on purpose, it is called sin, and it's this thing that separates us from God, and we have this realization that he sent his son to be the bridge that we could cross over and have relationship back with God. And it's saying, you know what, I know when that happened in my life, where I made a decision, not because somebody scared me, not because, you know, it was the right thing to do at the moment, but because I had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed in that moment. And my hope for you today is that before you leave here, you can answer that question, when? When? Going back to this story, it says, it, it, it said, he said to Philip, follow me. And, and this is important that he said this because what you have to understand is back in Jesus's day, Jesus was considered a rabbi and rabbis had guys that would follow them around that were their, their 
uh, protégés. And, and, and during that time, they were called Talmuds. And so Jesus was like the, the headmaster, and then he had all these protégés called Talmuds. And so what would happen if you were back there in that day is, is a rabbi would be walking around, and if a rabbi walked up and scratched his head with his left hand, all of his Talmuds would follow right along, and they would scratch their head with their left hand. If he went and picked up some fruit and smelled it to see if it was ripe, his Talmuds would come up behind him and pick up the fruit and smell it to see if it was right. Because the goal of being a Talmud was to be like the rabbi. The goal of being a follower of Jesus Christ is to look and be like Jesus. But it's hard to look and be like Jesus if we've never met him. And so my question for us is, is when did that happen in your life? I was meeting with a guy this week and uh, is, is kind of an interesting conversation. I'm, I'm sitting there talking with him, and, and he's sharing with me his story. And, and I actually asked him this question. I said, man, when, when, when did you encounter Christ? Like, when did that transformation happen? And, and he goes, man, I just, he said, I don't know that it's really happening because I just can't follow all the rules. And I looked at him and I said, me neither. Like, I, I mess him up every day. See, because following Jesus isn't about following a whole bunch of rules. Following Jesus is all about having a relationship with God. And I said, when has that occurred in your life? When has that happened? Because that is the thing that's going to radically transform your life. When did that happen for you? You know, one of the reasons most people aren't excited about talking about Jesus to other people is because they've never met him. And if you've met Jesus, you can't help but tell everyone about him. It's really hard to talk about somebody that you know nothing about. First question is when. Second question is, is who? When, then who? Now, I'm, a, I'm kind of an addict to a certain beverage that's out there. Um, I am a big, co any coffee drinkers out there? Like, I'm not talking about like, foo-foo coffee drinkers i'm talking about like real coffee like black coffee how many y'all let me see the black coffee people there, there's my people right there right there hey that's got cream in it that's not black coffee don't even try that man that's that's girly stuff right there don't even try you can't even justify that all right man that's just there you go starbucks yeah worst coffee in america uh, but it's it's got caffeine you know caffeine i mean why why do you drink why do you drink coffee to get jacked up, right? I mean, you, like, if one cup's good, it's like, it's like I was an alcoholic growing up. And so, um, like, if one beer was good, 37 was better. The same thing is true with coffee. If one coffee's good, then, like, 20's even better. And so, like, I drink a lot of coffee. Um, if they could come up with a patch that just gave you coffee all day long, like, I would be supporting that junk. Like, yeah, sign me up. You know, it's like the nicotine coffee patch. Um, but, like, I love coffee. And, and, you know, when we were first starting, I would talk about coffee all the time. And so I would drink, I drink probably a pot before I come to church. So it's kind of, it kind of explains a lot for you guys. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, because people hear that a lot, what happens is, is that people come to church and they bring me coffee too. And, uh, and so, you know, I'll be, I'll drink a pot of coffee and then they'll bring me like a quad, a, like a quad venti, you know, espresso shot and like I'll down that too you know and then I'll chase it with another cup of coffee because you can never get too much and and you know like when you drink all that like what like you're consumed like jitters you know I, everything 
because you're consumed. It consumes, it takes over your life. Same thing is true when we encounter Jesus. Man, when, when we get consumed by Jesus, a couple things happen in our lives. One is, is we get the mind of Christ, man. All of a sudden we start to see and we start to think and we start to comprehend the way that Jesus does. And we also get filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is when those things start to happen, we start to become more like Christ. And the thing that Christ was consumed with while he was here on earth was telling as many people that were far from God all about God. That's the very thing that he was consumed with. You know, we just read that Philip found, was found by God. Je Jesus found Philip, and let's continue in the story. It says, now Philip was from Bethesda, or Bethsaida, I don't even know how to say that, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael. Philip found Nathaniel. Why don't you underline that or circle that? Jesus found Philip and Philip found Nathaniel. Want to know why? Because found people find people. Found people find people. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. And it says, and he said to him, we have found him whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God. See, Jesus found Philip and Philip found Nathaniel. It's a, it's a perfect picture of what our lives are supposed to be like when we encounter God and we experience God. It's not just so that we can say, man, I found God. It's so that we can go and find other people. That's why immediately he went and found Nathaniel. And my question for you is, is, who do you know that needs a relationship with Jesus? Who do you know that needs to be found? Because we are not on this planet to make a whole bunch of us. We're on this planet to make a whole bunch of Jesus. A lot of times we feel like it's all about me, myself, and I, but it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be all about him. We're supposed to be making this world all about Jesus. And I get people all the time that they come to me and they say, you know, just crazy things like, oh man, I'm, I don't have any Christian friends at my job. I need a new job, TJ. Will you pray for me that I'll get a new job? And I'll be like, no. Because you're there to go reach people that aren't found yet. There's a reason that nobody's a Christian that, there yet. That's because you haven't found them for him. Or I'll hear parents say like, man, please pray that we'll get the funds to send our kids to a Christian school. Why? Like, have you ever thought that maybe your kids are supposed to go to public school so they can be a light in a dark world? Then maybe they can make a difference in this world that, that we're not to be of this world, but we're in it. Like we're there to make a huge difference and, and we're, we need to bring people to Jesus because we've been found, we need to find people. Christmas, 1987, anybody remember what they got for Christmas in 1987? No, I guess it wasn't as good of a year for you as it was for me. Diapers, good, that's perfect. <laughs> Christmas, 1987 was my favorite Christmas of all time. Uh, when I was growing up because Christmas of 1987, I got the gift that every kid wanted, a Nintendo. The original Nintendo, you know, where you had to stack games in there to get it to work and you had the controller and we had Tetris and we had, we had uh, Contra, uh, Contra playing and we had Super Mario Brothers when it was original. Yeah. Techno Bowl, oh, Techno Bowl. Like that... 
that game right there is going to be in Jesus. I mean, you just run Bo Jackson left to right the entire way. Like, it's always a touchdown. Like, I remember getting that, and I was so stoked because, like, man, I was now cool. Like, every kid wanted to come over to my house to play the Nintendo because not everybody had a Nintendo. And if you had a Nintendo, you knew that you were all that in a bag of chips. But what happened is, is like, two years later, Sega Genesis came out. Sega! You know, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sonic the Hedgehog, man, it was like all the rage. And, and if you had a Nintendo, you weren't cool anymore. And then, you know, after a little while, what happened is, is that, you know, the Nintendo 64 came out. Oh, I mean, 64-bit graphics, oh my gosh, like Sega and regular Nintendo, garbage. And then right after that, PlayStation came out, and all of a sudden, PlayStation's all the rage. And now we have Xboxes and PlayStation 3 and DS, and you know what we're going to have next? I don't know either, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be something. What I discovered is that the world keeps creating more and more and more because we are never satisfied. And no matter how much it keeps creating and no matter how much we try to keep getting, we're never going to be satisfied because things can never satisfy us. Only a person can, and that person is Jesus. And the only thing that's going to satisfy the people that are in your life, your friends, your family, your coworkers, all of those people is a relationship with Jesus. And they can try to be consumed with relationships and with their job and, and throwing themselves into their, their kids and, and all those things. And none of those things are necessarily bad things, but they're not the ultimate thing. And they're always going to leave you feeling empty inside. And so maybe, just maybe, God has put you in the places where you're at right now to reach your who. Because every single person you come into eye contact with, they have an internal destination. It's one of two places. It's heaven or it's hell. There is no in, there is no in between. It's one of those places. Who are you supposed to be finding in your life? Because found people find people. Who do you know that needs Jesus? Third question we have to ask ourselves is how? How? One of the most frustrating things on the planet Earth is, is somebody telling you to do something and not knowing how to do it. Can I, can I get an amen? I mean, like, I hate it when somebody tells me to do something and, like, I have no clue how to do it. Um, recently, I was on a trip with uh, Pastor Jeremy, um, and, and he's, he's at a wedding right now for his brother, in case you all were wondering where he's been over the last couple of weeks, he's been away. But uh, we went to Denver, Colorado, and, and I try not to travel by myself um, places. If I can take somebody with me, I try to, if I'm not up meeting other people there. So we're going to study another church and look at some things. And, and, and so we got there, and um, I never traveled with Jeremy before. And so it was like really my first experience traveling with him. And, and so we get to this hotel the first night, and, and I learned something about Jeremy, um, and that's this, is that that dude can snore like nobody else on the face of this earth. Like, I'm telling you what, like, he sawed enough logs to, like, build a mansion, like, in one night. I mean, it was like, like, I promise, like, door, like, four or five doors down, like, knew that some dude was snoring in our room, and, and you know, and, and it's like the worst, because, like, if you don't fall asleep before him, like, that, that straight up is hell on earth right there. <laughs> like, you're not getting any sleep. And so, I, like, like, I got pillows over my face. I'm like, dude, you got to stay up till I fall asleep. Like, I, like I'm, I was so frustrated with him. And I get up the next morning and I said, dude, you got to fix that junk. 
He's like, how am I supposed to fix it? I said, I don't care. Just do it. Like, don't breathe at night. I don't care how you got to do it. Like, go to the doctor and get one of those Darth Vader backs. <laughs> you know, I don't care what you got to do. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? And I, I said, you're never traveling with me again, bro. I mean, like, you're staying home. Like, he was frustrated because he's like, how the heck am I supposed to fix this? I don't even know what I'm, I don't, I'm asleep while I'm doing it. I'm like, I don't care. The church has done the same thing for a long time. We've told you to go evangelize, go reach people for Jesus and figure it out. It's kind of messed up, isn't it? My hope is that we can, we can help you a little bit with this because I, I, I believe that, that God wants to use us to partner together to reach people because Jesus found Philip and Philip found Nathaniel. See what happens here. He, watch what happens in verse 46. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. You know, I've always found it, it's really depressing when I go and I tell people about Jesus and, and they always come up with like some sort of sarcastic remark or they always have, um, you know, they always have some sort of um, way of coming back and being skeptical towards me. Does anybody else ever experience that? You get some skepticism back from people and you're like, oh man, what's up with that? And like, this guy was totally skeptical. He's like, man, what good can come from Nazareth? And now I figured out that I, I actually really like skeptical people. Like, I can deal with skeptical people. I can't deal with church people. Because church people are a bunch of fake people. Come on. Come on. You know that you were cussed out your wife on the way in, and then you saw me, and you're like, hey, brother, I'm blessed and highly favored. As soon as you hear the word brother, run from that person. I mean, like, you got that church speak. But you ask a, you ask a person that's jagged up how they're doing, they're like, man, my life is screwed up. Like, they're just straight up with where they are in life. And that's exactly where this guy is. He's like, man, I'm just screwed up. And, and, and here's the thing you got to understand, man. There's always been skeptics all throughout history. Man, the disciples were skeptical. Even after Jesus died and rose again, they were like still, as he was ascending into heaven, they're like, I wonder if that was real. Listen, there's lots of people that are skeptical, but I love Philip's approach. He said, man, I don't know. I don't know about all that stuff that you're talking about. I don't necessarily understand why you say that about this, but why don't you just come and check it out? Why don't you just come and see? And a lot of us feel like when we're talking to people about what God has done in our lives, we have got to have all the answers, and we don't. All we got to do is get them to Jesus and let Jesus answer those questions for them. But a lot of us, we feel like, oh man, I've got to give them all this stuff. And Jesus, Jesus is just saying, hey, why don't you just come and tell them to come check me out? I was in Starbucks a couple weeks ago and uh, I frequent the same like three Starbucks all the time. I, I try to make those uh, my favorite hangout places. I try to get to know people there all the time because uh, found people find people. And, uh, and so I'm very intentional with, with trying to reach people. And so I've been talking to these couple of baristas at a Starbucks here locally uh, for probably two and a half years. I mean, like I sit down, I try to have real conversations. I know virtually everything about their lives. They know nothing besides my name and what I drink. Um, and, and it's really awesome because like now they're starting to tell me all this stuff. And finally, one of them asked me, they said like, hey, I heard that you were like a pastor of a church. And they're like, what's that all about? And I said, I said to this girl, I said, why don't you just come and see? 
Instead of me trying to explain to you and have all this junk figured out, why don't you just come and see what this, this is all about and what we're all about on a Sunday morning? Because I think it, it'll, it'll change your concept of what you believe church and God's really like. And this girl showed up and she's like, man, this is way different than I thought. He's like, you guys don't kneel and do all these weird chants and stuff. And I said, no, man, we just come in here and we just talk about Jesus and we sing some songs and we throw some haze up here and then we let you go home. It's pretty cool. See, the reality is, is that for most of us, man, we need to understand that, man, God is just telling us, we don't have to have all the answers. Just tell people, come and see. And this is what I promise for you as a church, man. You invite your friends, you invite your family, you, you invite that coworker, you invite the person you don't like, and you just say, listen, I don't have all the answers, but this is what I know that Jesus did with me. Why don't you just come and see and watch what Jesus does in their life? Watch what Jesus will do inside of them. And I know I get accused of overhyping our church all the time and saying, man, we're awesome and we're the best and, and saying, man, this week's message is gonna be the best. I truly believe that because I know that anytime Jesus is here, anything can happen in anybody's life and I want them to experience and encounter Jesus because I know when people encounter Jesus they're changed forever and I'm not gonna sit back I'm not gonna shut up I mean I'm gonna scream from the top of my lungs until the gates of hell are shut down and heaven is flooded with thousands of people and millions of people all about Jesus because I'm smoking what I'm selling I believe in this junk Love it. He says, come and see. And he says in verse 47, he said, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I love that. He goes, how do you know me? Translation, Jesus is saying, is like, man, I know everything about you. And let me just stop right here because I believe that there's somebody that's in here that's here today, that they walked in here today and they said, there's no way that God could ever accept me. Man, you don't understand what I've done, how bad I've been, what I've experienced in my life. And let me just tell you something today. Jesus knows everything about your life. He knows all the mistakes you've made. He knows every bad choice you've had. He knows every relationship that's not gone the way that you hoped it was gonna be. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, man, I still want you. I still want you. And that's what's so amazing about his grace is that no matter where we've been and what we've done, God is still calling you to him, saying, man, come and experience me. Verse 49, it says, Nathanael answered to him saying, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I, I just think that this is so amazing because here is a guy who went from like, man, what good can come from Nazareth to like, man, I don't know all about this to like, man, Jesus, what's up with that? You want me to like, man, God, God, you're all that in a bag of chips, man. I'm gonna follow you all the rest of my days of my life. He went from like, God, I hate you to God, you're my everything in an instant. You wanna know why? Because when we encounter Jesus, it changes us. See, listen, we don't have some sort of self-help program here. We don't have some behavior modification for you that's gonna to totally transform your life because no matter what we try to do, we can't change you. The only thing that's gonna change your life is an encounter with Jesus. And so our goal is, is that, man, we get people in the presence of God and we let God radically transform their lives. 
And this is what I know is that, man, if you invite people and you say, hey, come follow me, come check this out, you know what's gonna happen is Jesus is gonna change them. And we're passionate about Jesus because he's the answer to every single thing that you and I are going through in our lives right now. The fourth question is what? Fourth question is what? When Shayla and I first got married, uh, we just got in a brand new car and, and we were driving uh, back from Fort Myers. My, my dad lives in the Fort Myers, Naples area. We are living in the Bradenton, Sarasota area. And, uh, and I let Shayla drive everywhere. Um, if you see us most of the time together, Shayla drives because I don't like to be told how to drive, so I'll just let her drive. Um, <laughs> I'll get in trouble for that later because I probably wasn't allowed to say that, but... Like, it's just so much simpler. Like, I don't have to listen. I can just chill and relax, and she can worry and talk and do all that stuff, and I can just sit there and twiddle my thumbs. I mean, it's awesome. And so Shayla was driving, and it started raining, and, like, a thunderbolt came down and hit right by our car, and she starts to freak out. She doesn't like driving in rain, and we're on the interstate, and so she's like, hey, will you, will you drive the rest of the way? I'm like, what? will you not talk to me about my driving if I drive the rest of the way? She's like, no, but you, I still want you to drive. And so, like, I got stuck driving, and... Uh, and so we're driving, and we're doing 70 miles an hour, which is the speed limit on I-75. And um, we're going around this curve, and we hit a patch of water. And we start to hydroplane. And, um, and not being a, an experienced driver when it comes to hydroplaning, I didn't do a lot of drifting growing up, so I don't really know how to work all that. But, like, I start overcompensating, you know, the wheel. So I'm spinning the wheel as hard as I can because I'm thinking, man, if I can just get this car straightened out. And so... All of a sudden, the car straightens out, but because I've got the tires turned so far, we start spinning the other direction. And all of a sudden, we're spinning this way across I-75, and then we get straightened out, and we spin back across this way, and we went back across this way. I mean, we're going through three lanes every single time. And finally, we go, and we take out about 150 yards of palmetto bushes until we hit a palm tree. Like... Shayla's pretty white, but I've never heard, seen her that white before in my life. <laughs> She's in the seat, like, freaking out, and, and I'll be honest. I looked over, and I, and I said to her, was that not the coolest thing you ever did in your life? Our car was like completely totaled. I mean, it was a wreck, but uh, we got home that night and I was laying in bed and I, I was thinking about, man, what could have happened here today? Like, we, I don't know how we went across I-75 four times and never hit anybody. And then when we ran into a tree, we, I mean, we didn't have a scratch on us. We weren't even sore. Like, it was the biggest miracle of our life. But that night I'm sitting there thinking, man, what could have been? What could have been? I mean, like, our lives should have been over like that. What's even scarier than that is what could have been if 15 years ago I didn't go try to hook up with a girl at church and encounter this older lady named Jeanette that spoke into my life and told me about Jesus and said how Jesus wanted to meet me. Like, honestly, I'd probably be dead today. 
Like my life was headed on that path. What could have been had that conversation not ever happened? And because of that conversation, the incredible things that have happened in my life. Verse 15 and 51, it says, Jesus answered him and said, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? He said, You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And what it's referencing there is, is in Genesis, it's referencing Jacob's ladder where, where God and man meet and wrestle. And he's saying, you know what, man? Not only, not only is you're going to encounter God, but like there are going to be some ridiculously awesome things that are going to happen in your life. And as good as your life is, man, it's going to be even greater than that. And God has got something great for every single one of our lives. But you know what else he has? He has something great for every person that we know. It's not just limited to us. And it's our responsibility to go and tell every single one of them because he's got a greater thing for them. And we don't know that the next person that we tell isn't going to be the next Billy Graham or isn't going to be a next great church planner or isn't going to go out and reach your kid or reach your family or reach somebody that is near and dear to you. But they'll never know unless you and I tell them. Jesus, over his next three years, man, did some ridiculous stuff that Nathaniel was there and saw. I mean, he saw blind people see. He said he saw dead people raised. He saw uh, people that were demon-possessed be set free. He saw a guy get killed and raised to life again and then ascend to heaven. I mean, he saw some of the most incredible things in those three years. And I can imagine when everybody went to bed one night, when all the disciples were asleep and, and, and he's sitting out there by the fire and Philip's sitting next to him. I can imagine Nathaniel just looking over to Philip and just saying, man, thank you. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for encouraging me to come and see what I did not see before. And so what do we need to do? For some of us, man, we need to decide when it is is the day that we had an encounter with Christ. Because some of us in here, we have not had that encounter. We have, we've heard all about rules and religion, but we have no relationship. And maybe what you need today is you need a relationship with God. For others of you, maybe what you need to do is you need to go tell some friends and some family, man, you need to come and see what this Jesus is all about. Because what he's done in my life isn't limited to my life. He has unlimited things for your life. And today is time for us to rise up and recognize that, man, if we've been found by Christ, then it's our responsibility, according to God's word, to find other people and let God do something awesome in their lives. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.